0: Welcome to Conversations with Women and Hollywood. I'm Melissa Silverstein, your host. We talk with the women creatives who are making things happen in the film industry. Women in Hollywood educates, advocates, and agitates for gender equality in Hollywood and the global film industry. For daily updates on what is going on, please read us at blog.womeninhollywood.com. Also make sure to check out our resources at womeninhollywood.com subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud. Welcome to the new season of Conversations with Women in Hollywood. I'm Melissa Silverstein, your host. Today's guest is the prolific and wonderful producer, Allison Owen. She is the producer of Suffragette, and she is also the producer of the upcoming Hulu TV series called Harlot. She's gonna to talk to us about Harlots as well as her career and some of her upcoming projects. Hope you enjoy. Have a boarding
1: house for young ladies. Now, For a harlot, that doesn't exist.
0: Today's guest is the wonderful, prolific producer, Alison Owen. She's in London. Alison, welcome. Hi, Melissa. Very happy to uh, be here. So, um, you're kind of like one of my favorite producers because I just like everything you do. So I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> it I, it's true, and I have, you know, spoken with you a couple of times previously, and sought you out because um, your work really speaks to me, and I think it speaks to a lot of women and men, but particularly women because you want to tell these kinds of stories that otherwise sometimes wouldn't get made. So let's start. I, I do hear some. So let's start off with your latest project, which premieres on Hulu next week here in the U.S., and I believe it's on ITV in the U.K., is that correct? That's right, yes. It's a co-production between
1: um, ITV and Hulu.
0: And so it's called Harlots, and so tell us how this production came about and how you got involved in it.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's really fantastic, Harlots, and I'm really exceptionally proud of it. It's the first TV um, uh, series out of our, news, uh, our new company, Monumental Pictures, that I have formed with Deborah Hayward. But it, it emanates from a writer called Moira Buffini, who I have worked with a couple of times before she um, wrote uh, Jane Eyre, which was a mediated well, with her and Carrie Tsukunaga, and Tamara Drew, which is a, a Stephen Frears film. And Moira had, had adapted both of those for me. And I, she, she worked almost entirely in uh, the theatre, where she has been writer-in-residence at The National. Um, and in movies, uh, where well, she's done most movies with me, and also with other collaborators like Neil Jordan. But she's never done any television, so I kept on sort of whispering in her ear, saying, Mario, you know, let time to the the TV." She didn't really feel like it was her medium at first. Um, but about a year later, she came and said to me, "I think I found the, the, the right subject," and she had happened upon this old 18th-century periodical called Harris's Guide to Covent Garden Ladies*, and it was literally like a sort of Yelp. Um, well, or even take guys to the prostitutes of the time. Um, it was, I mean, it's comical if you look at it, and comical and horrifying simultaneously. You, you literally read this, this periodical that came out quarterly, um, and it reviews every single prostitute. So you, you'll go to the list, and it'll sort of say, Fanny Adams, you know, uh, number nine, Drury Lane, she's a pretty lady, a uh, little bit overweight, swept a bit in the summer, give you a good time for six months. It's, it's extraordinary. So Moira had, had, looked, had looked at this and, and, and had conceived of a whole world where these women existed and had, had researched more and found that one in every woman at that time was engaged in the sex industry.
0: One in every... Was one in every five
1: women was okay. in the sex industry in London at that time. And London was, the sex, was making as much money for London as the docks. So London was literally being spilled on the backs of these women. Um, and she wanted to tell their story. And, you know, prostitutes and brothels are, are not a new subject, as we know, in, 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 in films and TV and novels. They're a very familiar trope. But they don't right. have names, usually. Their, their stories are not told. They are looked at rather than uh, their story being told. So we wanted to to really look through their eyes, to have, mm-hmm. to really celebrate the female gaze, to... Sure, have sex in it where the sex is necessary and part of the narrative, but not in a a titillating way um, or or, or a voyeuristic way. It's there because that's their job and that's what they're doing. So yeah, yeah. Moira felt that that television was probably the only medium that she could do this on because there were too many stories for a movie um, and she wanted to read a tapestry of the world that these women were inhabiting. so that's so that's what we've done, and um, and I think it's uh, it's well I'm really pleased and proud of it. It's it's um it's worked very well very well, and everyone seems to be responding well to it. So I'm I'm happy.
0: Well, I was able to see the first episode, and I found it um, quite interesting. At first, I was didn't know what was going to happen in terms of because we are so familiar with the story of you know sex workers and then as it went on some of the key lines which you also mentioned but I the the city is made from our flesh every beam every brick I thought was just like what a line and it's just like you know 20% of women were doing this as you just said means it was everywhere and I like the competition between the women Uh, an upper-class brothel and a middle-class brothel and really just trying to understand how how women kind of get into this industry and how they get stuck there. And what I also found interesting was the kind of conversation between money, property, whores, and that whole kind of concept of you still want to be married because you want to be someone's property versus they, they respect you more when they own you rather than when they pay for you.
1: Well, that's right. And, and, and in, in, in the story of Harlots, uh, where Margaret Wells is uh, it's a family brothel, and she, both her daughters, she is uh, has brought into the sex trade. And you might think you know, that that's a dreadful thing for a mother to do, to bring her daughter into sex trade. But from Margaret's point of view, she thinks that's better than than being married, she thinks that the, uh, the law once you're married, your husband owns all your property. Whereas if you are a sex worker, you can still you can have your own money and you, you still have a, have a degree of independence. So mm-hmm. from her point of view, she thinks that she thinks she's doing her daughter a big favour. And right. it's an interesting uh, you know, line of thought because it's it, what surprised me when we started researching that period was how how out in the open it all was. I think because of the Victorian period, which intervened between the Georgian period and, and, and our own culture, one tends to think it was all swept under the carpet and behind closed doors, but it wasn't at all in the Georgian period. It was, you know, what the, the right of a young man to go out whoring um, and these women would be taken to the theater instead of the wives. The wives would be, you know, kept at home or in the country, whereas the sex workers were actually having uh, a lot more freedom and a lot more I mean I hesitate to say fun, but they were having a better time than the wives who, who were really hundred percent lock stock and barrel
0: owned by their husbands and stuck at home. But she also kinda of made her sick at the same time. Which was very yes. interesting. Yeah. Um, knowing, you know, what she was doing. Yeah. So you this is your first T V series and you've done a lot of films. Why is it why was this the right time for you to get into the T V business? Well, I have, I've
1: actually done quite a bit of TV before, but I've only ever done um, mini series or TV right. movies, which is right. very similar, really. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's very similar in, in form to doing a movie. It's a mini series, it's, like, it's, it's still got a beginning, middle, and an end, the same as a movie. This is the first time I've done a returning series, which has such a really different rhythm, um, and it's actually very challenging. I found it very challenging, both as a learning curve. And the fact that there's a kind of tsunami of story, you know, that comes at you, it just eats up story. And you have, to, you have to have to keep all these balls in the air the whole time. So, mm. But I, I was really keen to do it because, as we know, TV is such a, an extraordinary, extraordinarily rich landscape at the moment. And a lot of the stories that we used to be, as producers, we used to tell on, on, on the big screen and are being told on television. And the best writers and a lot of talent are all gravitating towards TV. And certainly my interest has always been um, in character and stories rather than big spectacle. And at the moment, because the economics of the, of the film industry, it's much more kind of big superhero tentpole movies that are being made, whereas the interesting stories about, uh, uh, of character. Uh, are being told on television so it was a sort of natural step for me to look at the material that I was attracted to and um, and move over to to the TV side
0: even in the UK that the still don't make the temth type movies they're still struggling to tell the kind of stories that maybe five years ago you would have been able to tell easier on screen
1: oh yeah it's it's, it's, it's becoming much much harder to make those kind of mid-range movies where you would have been that, that, that you would have been at to do um five or ten years ago yeah e- yeah even more recent you should, you sort of feel it change um year on year wow um
0: but you had a company a couple of years ago ruby films and now you do monumental now you have monumental pictures can you talk a little bit about why you transitioned? do you does ruby films still exist is it like I, I'm just trying to wrap my my, my brain around kind of like it's, business part yeah, of it's actually, very of it. sim- it's, it's,
1: actually <laughs> it's actually very simple. I'd run Ruby movie film for about 10, um, ten, fifteen fifteen years I think. Um and I had always very much been the 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 head of the company and the main person, you know, the figurehead.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: I had re- always really wanted to join forces with um, my friend, Deborah Hayward, who has been working with work, uh, Working Title for 20 years, and I'd always been trying to, um, to kind of uh, try and, and persuade her to, to, to leave and, and come with me. And she had resisted that for various reasons over the years. She had a, a family, and it's hard to kind of like get up and start your own company. And, and But she eventually, after uh, a long time, had gone on a first-month deal with Working Title, and her first movie that she'd made was They Missed. Which is not too shabby for your first movie, and um, I said to her, "Let's, you know, now, now is the time to do this." So she um, agreed to to leave and and come and join me, but she wanted very much to start a company together. She didn't want to come and join Ruby because that was so associated with me right. that I think she wanted to to start a joint venture together. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I know she did. Um, so, so that's what we decided to do. That we decided to, to gradually. Um, run down from the Ruby transfer the project that I wanted to keep across to Monumental and Deborah also had a slate at, at working that she brought with her, and we um, yeah, so were off to the races
0: excellent now what's it like for you having been you know the the person who ran the company for 15 years to work in a collaboration with someone else because this is something that people have to do all the time um, what's the adjustment been for you oh, I, I absolutely love it it's it takes a lot of
1: stress and pressure off to have um, someone who's, who's truly an equal partner, I and mean, provided you get on well with them, it's, it's, right. it's a much better way of working. Film is such a, film and TV is such a collaborative medium. Um, right. And whilst I had loads of people at, at, at Ruby who were fantastic, right. you know, you're still always kind of mum at the end of the day and making all the decisions and feeling all the responsibility. Um, of of everyone's paycheck at the end of the week and keeping everything going. And it's just great to be able to share that. And Deborah and I have just such an enormous respect for each other that that, that it really works. I I wouldn't say that we exactly finish each other's sentences, but we would – I absolutely could be in the middle of a project. In fact, I was with Harlots. I had developed Harlots, and and that was my project. But ultimately, um, because of the timing of things, Deborah ended up being the point person, the, the day-to-day producer on the set. And, mm-hmm. you know, I never had a second worry about, about Deborah doing that. I knew that she would deliver it um, just as well or better than I would creatively. Mm-hmm. She's a brilliant producer, and I, I would trust her with anything. And I think she feels the same about me. So it's a, it's a, it's a very happy partnership.
0: And so the goals for the company are, are what? What are your um, goals? Continue making film and television that, 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 that
1: we are, are still passionate about. And that celebrate the female voice largely, although not exclusively. We do do projects with, with men as well, but certainly a lot of our projects feature um, women in, in in lead roles. And the, um,
0: yes,
1: yeah, the female voice and the female gaze is important to us.
0: So I want to ask you about a couple of those projects because I've been following them. So tell me a little bit about where we are in with the Ada Lovelace project. I had three specifically, the Ada Lovelace,
1: okay.
0: Caitlin Moran, and the new one you announced recently about Roe v. Wade. I'd just love to talk about all of them a little bit. Okay.
1: Um, well, for Caitlin Moran, we just actually had a, a delivery of a draft today, so which I haven't had a chance to read yet, which I should be reading on the train on the way home. I'm very excited about working with Caitlin. She is one of my absolute heroines. Um, I love her first book. Her first book on... How to Be a Woman, and then the second book, How to Build a Girl, are like, you know, they're like valuable to me. You just read them, and she, I, I, I wish I could carry them around all the time in my handbag, because it's, the, 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 you read, I read them, and they're kind of, you think, oh my god, I wish I'd had this last week when I was having that argument with that guy at the dinner party. <laughs> if I'd been to the readout, Caitlin's reply, I would have been in much better shape. You know, she has such She's just got the most material, brilliant mind. I adore her. She's like written Lena Dunham for those who don't know her her work. but um, those who don't know her work ought to go straight to a bookshop and buy because she is extraordinary.
0: And she's written, written she's written the script for this film. She has adapted her book, How to Build Great. a Girl,
1: um but it's Great. also got parts of how to build, be a woman in it as well. It's Great. very much it's very it's very like Catelyn, it's raucous, it's funny, it's outrageous. Um but it's um it's it's talks about important stuff too.
0: Sounds so great. Yes, yeah, so
1: and we're very excited about that. Aiden Lovelace is being written. I haven't seen the draft of that yet. Yeah, we have a great writer, Sean Slover, who is busy writing the screenplay and we, we hope to put that into production next year. And Rose vs. Wade is just at very early stages. It's a story that I've wanted to tell for a long time. It's such an amazing story and such an important issue and I'm sure we all agree. But it, but it is, from a, from a filmmaker's point of view as well, It, it it's just a, terrific story and I'm well I would say that I was amazed that it had never been told if it wasn't for the fact that there's lots of amazing women stories that have never been told um so we know why it's never been told it's because it's a story about women but it 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 has all the makings of a perfect film story uh you know the, the, the idea that this 26 year old lawyer from from Texas Sarah Weddington who literally never had a case in court before you know, got fed up of having all the guys promoted over her, she got fed up of all the guys getting the best cases, guys who had not scored nearly as well as her in college, and decided that she wanted to take up a case of her own, had no idea that this case would end up, her very first case, would end up going all the way to the Supreme Court and changing changing the law of a nation and the lives of
0: millions and of, millions of women. I mean, it's an extraordinary story. It's kind of like Loving from this year. You know, that, yeah. ki- that, that story that goes... All the way, you never know. I mean, I find it interesting that you, not being American, are taking, you know, a story that is literally about our, our fundamental rights here every day. Why do you think, you know, do you... I, I'm not surprised that, you know, people in the U.S. never wanted to take it on because makes people incredibly nervous here. We have a, such a hard time talking about it. Um, and it might be better... Coming from not U.S. based, uh, have you thought about that? Like, yeah, I think yes,
1: I did because I, originally when I when I decided to um to take the subject on and started looking for a writer, of course I spoke to a number of American writers, mm. and uh, thinking that, that 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 I should balance out my my Britishness with an American writer, but it, it I, I everybody backed away from it. People were really really nervous about taking on the subject, um, and in the end, I, I, I a British writer is, is having a go at it. Um, and I think uh, when I saw her nervous, and I, and, and I spoke to various studios and financiers about it in America, again, all really, really nervous, didn't want to touch it, um, it was a very incendiary topic um, for you guys. So I felt like, well, you know, Steve McQueen made 12 Years a Slave, you know, maybe sometimes it takes someone from outside the culture to to really uh, be able to see it with some clarity. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's an important story and it needs to be told and, and maybe it has
0: to be someone outside it to tell it. Yeah, I, I, I think you could be right. What do you think the way the business is going in terms of women and women's stories and women's gays and all those kinds of things? Do you feel some better momentum now or do you feel, you know, what what is your, what is your sense being in the trenches every day? I think there's definitely some better momentum. I think it's not always
1: from the um from the from the right motives so i think a lot of it, it's a fashionable thing at the moment you know i was talking to two writers yesterday who were who were fed up because they it, they have had this project in development with uh with the american producer for some time uh, you know white male and they haven't been able to find a director and, and now he is saying to them we have to get a you know we can only give this project if there's a female director and they're, they were frustrated. They were like, it's just because it's fashionable. Or it's that people have got some quotas to sell. But I kind of feel like, hey, whatever it takes. If it's fashionable, right. it's good. It used to be not fashionable. So if it's fashionable, let's take advantage of it. Let's change things while, uh, while people want to. Because these moments don't last very long. So we have to kind of implement them and, and, the and make
0: it part of Part yeah, of the I was just thinking before, that
1: before 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 the
0: mexican wave moves on you know it's true it's true so do you um in in closing do you have any thoughts or advice that you want to share with people who are you know trying to take advantage of this moment and you know and also what to do once it passes because it will pass
1: yes it definitely it definitely will pass i think at the moment there is a moment where there's a drawbridge being let down. And so my advice would be to scramble up that drawbridge as quickly as possible um, and, you know, bluff, be a great bluffer so you have more experience than you can. Magnify what you've done because ultimately instinct and talent will will carry you through.
0: Um, take a deep breath and, 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 and jump on board would be my advice. Don't hesitate. That's great. So we're going to encourage everybody to start watching um, Hulu, uh, Harlots on Hulu this coming week and also if you're in the UK please do I hope they do I'm really proud of and I think anyone who watches it
1: will will get a lot out of it watching those gutsy women Um, I, I, one thing I will say for the first time I saw the the first cut of parlance I was expecting it to be um, you know challenging and exciting because those were the words that we used when we were making it but what I didn't expect my first experience of watching the first cut was that I found it so relaxing I Mm -hmm. found it really relaxing watching something entirely through a female gaze about mm-hmm. women for women because mm-hmm. you spend so much of your time as a woman uh, reconstructing everything you're watching because it's actually been made with a male gaze. You have to kind of reinterpret it and refract it before mm-hmm. you, can, um, you can understand it. And we always forget how much hard work we're doing all the time going around, keeping right. oh, yeah. the world in that way. And it's actually quite relaxing when you see this piece. And you're like, yeah, this is for me. I can just sit back and enjoy it.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time and uh, back of luck and I hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Women in Hollywood. For more podcasts and daily updates, please go to blog.womeninhollywood.com. For resources, to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and to help support the work of Women in Hollywood, please go to our website, womenandhollywood.com. Thank you. This podcast is produced by Adam Shartoff. Music is by Laura Carpman.